It's like I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to fucking watch all your fucking bullshit. I just want to see the fucking article. Christ. You ever seen it? It's a more recent South Park. You might not have seen the whole thing. You might have heard about it. It's one of the like multi-episode story arcs where Jimmy's running the uh, school news, but he won't allow ads. And he has to end up taking on the regular media because the ads have come alive. Oh, God. <laughs> so, like, there's scenes, like, where, the, like, the boys are going on. It's Butter, Cartman, Stan, and Kyle. And they all, they're going on there to try to figure out what happened to Jimmy. So they get on, start Googling stuff. And the next thing you know, they're, like, eating ice cream and buying gym shoes. And they're like, wait a minute. What the fuck were we doing? <laughs> uh, did you ever see Josie and the Pussycats? Uh, the cartoon? Well, they, they made it into a movie here. Probably. I've never seen that. I, I figured that's what you meant, but I've never seen the movie. I God, that had to be almost 20 years ago now. Um, But they... Uh, like, the, the whole movie is about, like, uh, subliminal advertising and shit, and they're slipping subliminal advertising into music. <clears throat> and they try to break up the band, and... Josie finally ends up figuring it out so they debunk the whole thing and then at the end of the movie the the big bad guy goes there's no need to worry about it we found out that you know subliminal messaging works way better in movies and television than it does in music and then there's just this this quick little audio blurb Josie and the Pussycats is the greatest movie ever (laughs) (laughs) so now whenever whenever somebody says what's the greatest movie ever Josie and the Pussycats is the greatest movie ever 20 years ago yeah, roughly. Yeah, so I was uh, <clears throat> my weekend update for doing that. It's uh, was Saved by the Bell, pretty much. How is it? That was one of the, that oh. was one of the ones that they had. What? what, what? Save that. The uh, Zach had discovered some little messaging and advertising, and then was using it to get the girls to go on dates with guys and buy shit. Old school. Yeah, nothing better than essentially having uh, your teeny bopper, you know, hottest show of the early 90s, just with a, uh, like a virtual date rate episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, why not? They they put Jesse on drugs, so. I mean, hell, I mean, look at the 80s. I mean, so much shit. I mean, the whole nerds franchise is built around a rape scene. Yeah, valid. On that note. Hit the open. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. That's got topics for days, and it'll leave you in a haze. Hosted by two mother teams that like to talk about everything news, sports, politics, pro wrestling, people jumping off buildings, taco shops, top ten lists, and more. 
It's got one guy who likes to get high on autographs, and the other guy who got shot in the ass. And now, here's your host of the Hit the Marks podcast, Jargo and RBV. Thanks, MSG. Hello, ladies and gaijin, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Hitting the Marks podcast here at the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, Hameen Media online, two feeds, peckerhameen.podbean.com and hameenmediagroup.podbean.com. I am the aforementioned Jargo. I will be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who's still wearing a Cincinnati red stocking cap. He's the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. Yes, that is right, sir. I got the hat a rocking. It is cold here in Ohio, but a very uh, a somberson day here in the great state of the IHIO. But don't worry, don't worry. The art of the beat of the V. Richard Bronson victory, ready to go back again. Hitting the Marks podcast. Hit Jarga. It's it, highs and lows this weekend here in, in the great state of the OHIO. Uh, getting news that the Buckeyes are going to be Having an opportunity to go to the college football playoffs had people excited. Uh, and, and then the bombshell drops on us. Yeah, we'll talk about the bombshell here in just a second um, because that's actually what I wanted to lead with today. Of course, we're talking about the Cleveland professional baseball team. Um, but I, I got to get a bit more on this Ohio State thing. Who, who did they uh, end up suckering you guys into playing next week? Well, just what you know, you move it. It's going to be next Saturday at noon. They're going to play the the Big Ten Conference Championship game as scheduled. Oh, oh! So you guys just get the championship game, and we get like some stupid bullshit game that nobody cares about. They they, they try to like reinvent a rivalry game to try to just drum up some interest to fill out the schedule for a couple of these games next week. Iowa is going to be hosting Michigan next Saturday night in Kinnick Stadium for absolutely no explicable reason whatsoever. I have. Uh, I think. Why? Th- this is uh, well. The Buckeyes going into the Big Ten championship against Northwest, Northwestern. I think you guys. This is the, the COVID bowl season, right? Hawkeyes, Wolverines. The 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 COVID bowl season kickoff game. Absolutely, it's what you got. It's college football at its finest. You know, Harbaugh thought he was going to get the hell out of this season. Thought he was going to avoid getting just absolutely embarrassed by the Buckeyes. Even going out and getting that, that five-star recruit just, you know, as the coronavirus is. Thought he could shut down the Buckeyes. Still couldn't get the job done. Still going on to the Big Ten Conference Championship game. Still alive in the National Championship hunt. And then the Wolverines got to go back on the field. And, and let's face it, how pitiful that team is. They are going to get spanked by the Hawkeyes. I, you seem to have more faith than I do. I have watched a couple of games from this Iowa team, and I just don't think they're that good. You know, it's like looking at some of these NFL teams. It's just like, how, how is this team that good? How is this team that mad? Iowa is certainly one of those, how is this team that good things? Because our quarterback sucks. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily praise for what you got going on there in Iowa, but of course you got a, a great record for the year. Five and on two. On the positive side. You know, you just lost the tiebreaker. It could have been you this week sitting there against the Buckeyes. I would have rather watched Iowa versus Ohio State than Northwestern versus Ohio State, as would, you know, basically everybody who doesn't live in the greater Chicagoland area. Well, and I think that's what they're kind of that's what they're hoping on, that it's going to pull that kind of rating. But when you look at, you know, the other possibilities there. I know so many people, you know, why? Why are they bending over, changing the rules for Ohio State? Let's be real. It's Ohio State. Well, yeah, it's well. Outside of that, everything outside of this season, we gotta we gotta call things on the fly here. 
you need Ohio State. You need those big time programs in those in those high profile games right now. That's what they're hanging on to pull these ratings and get people interested in this. You cannot at this time of year in college football under those circumstances. If they had lost a game, if they had actually played their way out, then so be it. But to have to just take it away because of the COVID, you, you can't alienate that entire fan base, that viewing audience that you're going to bring with the Buckeyes. Yeah, Wasn't it just a couple of weeks ago that we came across that story that the Ohio State University was like the most hated school like throughout the entire country. They kind of got that Yankees thing going for them. You either love to watch them win or you love to watch it, it them was, lose. It was very vague. I, I believe it was very vague into how they had suggested that they were the most hated. Was it despised, hated, delusional? I, I know they were very vague because you and I had were having a conversation prior to that about, yeah, it was we, you and I were having a conversation about delusional fan bases. Yeah. And we actually had a criteria set for how we were measuring each of those fan groups. But I think this poll that was put out there, do you remember even who put the thing out? It was USA Today, something along those lines. It was, it was one of those publications that was not actually a sports publication, but they were trying to talk sports so that they sounded smarter. So, so it just, so I think they just said like the worst fan base. Yeah. I, yeah, actually, I think you're exactly right. I think that's exactly what it was. Right. So, because, I mean, loyalist makes you the worst. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that at all. Now, I could see where arrogance, annoying. Yeah, I, we fit that criteria, but, you know, we're better than you and we know it. Okay, MJF. Okay. All right. Well, if you're so much better than you know the rest of the world, then th- this story should be a whole lot of fun. We got to talk about the 10 Little Indians. I can't believe you sent me that clip to actually plug into the show, but I'm going to fucking use it. Huckleberry, after 105 years, the Cleveland Indians are now the Cleveland professional baseball team. They caved like a bunch of little bitches. What in the hell is going on in Ohio? Well, I tell you right now, the it, it really what is very suspicious to hear is the timing everything going on is when they announce this thing. It's it's kind of flying under the radar. I, obviously, you have a a very disgruntled, unhappy fan base right now. You have a lot of very unhappy fan bases because there are a lot of fans that are very unhappy with Cleveland today. I'm included because as a Chicago Blackhawks fan, this pisses me off to absolutely no end. Well, it... it it, it goes back to, you know, with, with Washington football team, you start that, that snowball. Yep. You know, when, when you open that Pandora's box, where does it end? And but just to come back, you know, I, I had reached out to a, a number of individuals up north. Uh, you know, right now I'm in southern Ohio. So you don't really see as much outrage really just about the team changing its name. It's, it's more about what you're seeing is what you're, you know, here's what you're seeing around the country. Jargo is just that Pandora's box effect, that, that dominoes effect that's, that we're going to see as this thing continues to roll throughout sports. And then where does it end there? I mean, even inside Cleveland itself, uh, do we start looking at the, the actual city's name? Moses Cleveland, who was a, he was in the military politician. Uh, he worked for, 
uh, land union. He was responsible for dealing with the local Native Americans and acquiring their land. You're going to tell me everything was on the up and up, that they were paying top dollar, that no lives were lost there. There was no mistreatment. I mean, so it's very cool. Do we, do we now have to change the name? Although in a sense they did, uh, the, the lazy assholes, Cleveland was originally spelled C-L-E-A-V-E-L-A-N. Oh, my God. But they were running out of room in a newspaper, and they dropped that first A. So now we have the, the modern-day spelling. You know, every time I hear a story like that, you know what it reminds Just for, like, the most random things, probably because we were just talking about Michigan. Do you remember Tecumseh's Biakabatuka? Yes. Dude, you, they gave that guy an extra-large jersey just so they could fit his name on the back of it. Uh, I do remember him. Tecumseh's Bianca uh, Batuka, I, the greatest name in the history of sports. I think he was uh, kind of very revered coming out of uh, college there. Pretty high draft pick, I believe. Yeah, and just absolutely bottomed out in the NFL. Just kind of fell flat. But, but again, you know, up there, in, going back to this timing thing here, you know, you've, you've got basketball starting, so there's some people kind of looking at the Cavaliers. You've got – an out of this world. I mean, no, but it's not, but people are so into the Browns right now there that anything that the Indians are doing is going to be pushed to the back burner and you're out of season. You know, not a lot of people are talking, looking at baseball. Now, why they are, they're certainly upset. There's not as quite as much heat on them right now. as there have been, if they had done this immediately following the, you know, the, the season last year, or if they had done this when spring training was getting going, I think they were pretty wise in, in how they rolled this thing out. But overall, he just got to be kind of just taken back with this whole situation. And then I know both, each of me and you both looked at it. We happened to stumble upon it at the same time. Uh, the statement released by the team itself, uh, again, even more disgusting inside itself. It's just your your typical what snowflake millennial pandering press release that, that really provides no information. It, it's trying to pat themselves on the back while it's really just covering up their cowardness to not really approach this situation properly. Now, what I'm not clear on was there's some kind of outside pressure on the Indians to change their name that like, I just, I, I haven't heard that I wasn't aware of. I mean, obviously there's people always talking about this, that they, they have the same conversation in Chicago. They have the same conversation in Kansas city. They have the same conversation in Atlanta. Like there's, there's always people talking about this, but d- did something new happen that I just completely missed? Well, I, you know, this is everything going back to what we saw just months ago with the different protests and how we're treating these, you know, perceive these different money groups. But I want to remind everybody again, you know, contents is king. It's not like they're going out here and they're mocking the native Americans when, when we're using these terms for nicknames, you know, it's, these have been chosen for a sense of pride and honor to represent a city and a team and a fan base. I will say this, the, the chief Wahoo logo all right, the overly cartoonish Indian logo. I could see changing that. I could see where somebody would be offended by that. But the nickname, the Indians, that 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 does not seem derogatory in any way, shape, or form. I could see somebody bitching about the logo, and I, I thought that's what was on the table, that they could potentially change the logo. They changed they, the they whole already, fucking thing. They already phased the logo out. Yeah, because they just went to the big C, right? They got the block C or the the cursive just Indian spelled out. 
Uh, so yeah, Wahoo's been gone for a while, and, and that kind of went away silently. It was kind of just a you know a couple steps to sort of phase that deal out. I, I don't believe he's on any official merchandise anymore. There has been for some years. That's awful. Uh, but you know, there was some kicking and screaming there. But it, it just kind of quietly they swept it under the rug. They went on about their business. Uh, but this one here again, you know, 105 years. <laughs> dropping this thing out of nowhere on this fan base. And again, Jargo, where were they misrepresenting the, the term Indian? And again, you know, it's all about perspective. Context is king. It, it's it is a it's an honor. They, they want that the pride. They want to they want you to represent. We stand as you know strong individuals. And if you're an Indians fan, then you're a member of the tribe. Like that's it all made sense, man. I've, I've never looked at that as an derogatory name. Like to me, and I am not advocating that these teams change their name in any way, shape, or form. But the Chiefs and the Braves, the Chiefs with that Arrowhead logo. To me, I, those are both more offensive than Indians. And yes, I am 25% Native American, so I, I get to play the RBV card this week. 25% to your – you got the quarter. You got me beat. I'm only 116th Asian. Yeah, yeah. No, grandma was full-blooded, so. Well, even inside at the logos, well, I mean, what, how – I don't see those offensive. I, I do understand what you're saying here with Chief Wahoo. I mean, you, you got the over-cartoony. Right. Sort of look there, and both and you and I both agreed. If if there was one name that had to been changed, you know, you go with Redskins. Is that that one, one does imply was, racial overtone? Right, absolutely. Uh, but now, but where does it stop now? Uh, I do remember a story going back a couple years. This, this always popped me. This might have been eight, seven years ago. But a, a Native American group. There was young college students that they got together. It was one of the, you know, that we get so often here that we're seeing right now, they're going to change the world. They're the bright new minds, 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 minds. They're very, 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 and, 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 with the, the lady that organized this thing. And she said, well, what kind of reception were people responsive to it? She said, oh, yeah, we, we heard a lot of noise. You know, people were letting us know what they thought. They said, uh-huh. well, so they were, su- they were supportive. No, it was mostly booze and, and letting them know that we didn't, they didn't want us there. And quite a bit of trash being thrown at us. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So, so you see how these things are received. Well, I tell you what, man, you you guys like get rid of the Blackhawks logo because of you you like starting the snowball again. We will come to Cleveland and we will burn that motherfucker down. I'm just saying we will burn that motherfucker down. You think that's the worst thing that's happened to Cleveland? Valid. Uh, but, Valid. but yeah, worse, even worse than burn it down with just bringing a bunch of Chicago people to the state of Ohio. I mean, that's inside of itself. It's just a disgusting. That's true. Not to, to move the Midwest. That's true. I'm sorry. I take it back. We won't do that. We we won't do that. But what gets me again in this public statement, they, they we we did extensive research. You know, again, why was this so? Why is this perceived as such a negative? Well, are there are there any counterpoints being made to this as we're talking about here how it represents the pride and there's honor that's being represented behind each of these names? 
I don't want to see just this surface BS that we're being spoon fed here by this extreme leftist agenda, which is complete bullshit. Step up to the plate, no pun intended, and, and you know, get those cojones out. Let us see what you got and then let us inform us and then let us make an actual decision if we agree with this or not, instead of just blowing smoke up our ass. Again, no pun intended. So now the conversation turns to what is going to be the new team name for the Cleveland professional baseball team. And of course, the popular pick is Steamers. Um, And everybody, everybody who is typing that in these threads that really believes that they're the first person that said it, like, come the fuck on, grow the fuck up, you know, but and especially. All right. I went to high school, Fulton High School, Fulton, Illinois. Google what our team mascot is. That's right. The Steamers, Fulton Steamers, loud and proud FHS. Um, I do not want to be associated with people from Cleveland. I, I just, I don't want that. No, do you, know you, you can't have it. Actually, you can't have know, the Steamers. It's mine. Do you, do you actually know anyone that's ever like been involved pitching or catching in a Cleveland steamer? Um, not that I am aware of, although there are a few people that it wouldn't surprise me. Hey, you talk about you know, Urban Dictionary, one of the most disgusting acts you could probably be involved in. A Cleveland steamer's got to be up there near the top. You know what? All right, so I got to tell you this story about my... I, you've got Johnny two times. I've got two count. Two count used to be a professional wrestling referee, right? And his whole gimmick as a referee was he would only count to two, right? So they started calling him two count. But so I, I, I have so many stories about two count that I could tell you. He's very much your Johnny two times. Very, very much, right? But so we're sitting there one day and uh, this was when I was with my first wife. That's how long I've known fucking two count. And uh, we're, we're sitting there getting ready to have tacos. It must've been a Tuesday. And we were out of cheese. We were out of shredded cheese. We, all we had was block cheese, but we didn't have any shredded cheese. And so I'm like, oh, I got to go to the store and get fucking cheese so I can have my goddamn tacos. If only we had a cheese shredder, right? I was going to say, you have blocks of cheese, but you don't have a cheese grater. Right. Yeah. I don't have a cheese, cheese grater. And two count goes, I got one. And I'm just, we're sitting in my living room and I'm just like, excuse me, what? And he's like, yeah, I got one. You have a cheese grater. And he looks me dead square in the face and he says this to me like, how is this not true of everybody? He's like, yeah, I've got one in my car. And by this time, I am so perplexed. I'm just like, why do you have a cheese grater in your car? And he looks me dead square and he's like, yeah, I keep it underneath my front seat. You keep a cheese grater underneath your front seat? Yeah, that way if anybody, you know, starts talking too much shit as they're walking up to me, I can just lay that cheese grater right in my forearm. Wham! With a fucking cheese grater. I'm like, you are so full of fucking shit right now. And the dude walks out to his car and he comes back with a cheese grater. And I put on my shoes and I went to the store and I got cheese because I'll be damned if I was going to use that motherfucker. Like, no I'm way. Saying, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, you, you really got to appreciate not just a friend, but any individual that comes prepared. Fucking hell. But, it, but he's just know, looking there, at me. Any, uh, was there any dry blood or, uh, you know. Not that I noticed. Like chunks of, of scalp but you, or skull stuck to this thing. Not that I noticed. But, I mean, you, be me in this situation. I'm just trying to understand what in the fuck just happened. 
But more importantly, he's talking to me like, you don't have a cheese grater underneath the front seat of your car? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, this is just common knowledge. Like, I have to fucking move out of Cedar Rapids. I have to. Like, this was like 12 years ago and I'm still fucking here. What am I doing? Those those mer- those vehicle emergency kits. What do you need in there? You got to have the flares, the blanket, bottle water, uh, some kind of like energy bar, uh, flashlight, and of course the cheese grater. <laughs> of course the fucking cheese grater. True story, ladies and gentlemen. I can't make that shit up. Uh, here we are, like you know, 12, 13 years later, and I still remember that shit like it was fucking yesterday. Just absolutely crazy. All right, out there, listeners, just in time for the holidays. It's the hitting the marks roadside vehicle safety kit with cheese grater coming at you exit strategy 68 just saying so what's what's the new name gonna be it's not gonna be steamers it's not gonna be the cleveland cheese graters packers fans would be very offended by that so I, i i have a suggestion but i'm curious what the boots on the ground report is like what what are people going with for the cleveland professional baseball team I think at this point, you know, it's it's not even being discussed amongst, you know, the, the at least the fan groups that that I've been talking with. Uh, I mean, it's still it, the wound is fresh. The body's not even in the ground yet. And you already want to move on. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there has to Welcome be, to 2020, uh, motherfucker. There has to be a, a period for mourning. I you know, see. we have to have the, the ceremony, the services for Wahoo. And believe me, that's that's what I'm looking forward to, what they're going to do, how they're going to get creative for this. Wait, uh, this is Cleveland happening? Band. We're the, having a funeral I, for the Cleveland Indians? I, I'm going to go out, I'm gonna go out and say that they're going to do something here. I know this fan base, you know, since moving up there seven years ago, I, I've said it regularly, I've developed this, this deep admiration and appreciation for the passion of the Cleveland fan base. You know, like them, hate them, love them, whatever the case might be. So much energy, so much passion there. You got to remember, this is a team when the original Cleveland Browns organization went to Baltimore, that these fans rallied together and said, you know what, you can, Odell, you can take, you can take the team, you can take all the equipment, everything that you have into this thing, but the name is ours. It has been here before you. It will always be here. These people are going to fight. They're, they're going to fight with all they have got to see this thing all the way through. So I don't know what direction I'm going to be. I, I'm just kind of, you know, if we're going to go back to the old, old, old school days before we even had nicknames associated with these teams, where it was you were pretty much the, the city you played in and then you were recognized by the league that you played in. So like in New York, you would have the Yankees would be the New York American. Or you'd have the Mets would be the New York National. Yeah, but the the, the merchandising rights and everything, I, you, we can't go back to that. Well, I mean, hell, I got I got the stat here, man. The Washington Professional Football Team, their merch is down forty three point eight percent this year. Is that necessary because they don't have a? I think we can look at another fact here, but they don't have a nickname, or because people are just so aggravated and turned off by the fact that they dumped the redskin name probably a combination of the six you know i mean and, it, and it's not like they are a hot commodity they've already run off so much of their fan base no one's really lining up hey they're in first place man they're, they're hosting a playoff game if the playoffs start at, tomorrow at this point you you are correct and i know we're going to talk that htm sports looking forward to that conversation but seriously looking forward to the conversation I, i'm really into what's happening in the nfl right now but yeah 
I, I think you might see a, a severe backlash here where this fan base is the way that they are so they're just hard headed. They're very stubborn. Would you compare them to Trump supporters? Because there, there, there's still people out there, man, like the Electoral College voting today. And there's still Trump supporters that are out there saying, you know, nope, he won by tens of millions of votes. And it's like, hey, I, don't, I don't think that's the case. And, and that's what I'm getting to. I, I think you're going to see some some official, unofficial merchandise get out there. You're going to see a wave of wahoos everywhere. Oh, my God. When the Indians, you know, get back to rocking and rolling, I don't know what the capacity is going to be. But as you as you see people out on the streets of Cleveland or wherever that, you know, the fans might be. It, I, that's what's going to be with them. It, it's just the it's just the way they are. But off the top of my head, uh, I'd prop me. You know, maybe you think about the 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 tie-ins with the Cleveland area. Of course, the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's what uh, I'm so- going with, man. I want the Cleveland Rocks. Yep, and they can play that stupid fucking song before every goddamn game. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. The Cleveland Rocks. That that doesn't really just roll off the tongue, does it? You know, I've also heard spiders. Evidently, there is a connection to the Cleveland spiders that the Indians actually came out of, if you go back that far. so Uh, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that was one of the tie-ins to one of the previous franchises that had played in the area there. I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, the, the Cleveland Kings. Does LeBron come home again to get a team named after him? Oh Jesus, Key Rice. Yeah, but you got to draft Bronny. Is is you got to draft Bronny? That's how that is works. That, is that enough to feed the ego of the great LeBron James to bring him back to Cleveland for uh, a third time? Yeah, but you, we'll, we'll, we'll name a team after you. But it's going to be two years from now, and uh, you have to draft Bronny too. That's how that's going to have to work. So, yeah. Two more years of misery, Cavs fans. Enjoy that. Um, Huckleberry, speaking of misery, we got to talk a little bit of minor league baseball as uh, the, the the chopper came down, man. 43 teams losing their affiliation with their major league teams. If you're not familiar, the way that the minor league system works is you get drafted by the team. Then you go to rookie league, and then you go to A league, and then you go to high A league, and then you go to double A, and then you go to triple A, and then finally, you can make it to the show. That's the way it works. And 43 cities throughout the country now are going to have to figure out what in the hell they're going to do in order to have baseball this year. Like I, the town I grew up in, in Clinton. Um, they have lost their affiliation. There's three teams in the Midwest League, the Clinton Lumber Kings, the Burlington Bees, and um, uh, the Kane County Cougars. 
uh, all three of them have lost their affiliation, and now they're trying to figure out what they're going to do to actually have baseball and stay in the Midwest League. It sounds like they are just going to get the worst players available. Um, it, it sounds like it's going to be a real kind of major league thing, right? To, to play off of the Indians thing, where they are basically going to have to assemble teams out of free agents and undrafted rookie prospects. And I mean, everybody gets drafted in minor league baseball, but you, you, the undrafted, that's going to be the talent pool. Um, Rick, this sucks. This sucks a lot. Well, before we actually get into the conversation about what options these teams have to try to survive, to keep themselves up and going, this is a major blow to an already struggling sport and ultimately a major blow to a professional league of the Big Four that, that is in serious trouble. We've had many a conversations about this, Jargo, especially during this, this COVID change season, about how Major League Baseball could survive. And how important it was for them to get through a season, how they couldn't afford to miss a beat as, you know, as compared to the NFL or the NBA. It was very critical that that Major League Baseball stayed as close as they could to the forefront. Now, at its very core, it's grassroots here. You're taking away the sport from really where it's surviving at, and that's in the heartland of America, as you strip away a lot of these small these small towns where you still have kids that still, you know, dream of playing on in the big leagues and getting out there on the diamond, the fresh cut grass, all of that. This was their connection was these minor league teams. And now that's going away. This again is a, com- another complete failure in my eyes, you know, right up there with how they lost their connection to the inner city. Yeah. And, and they have been working tirelessly trying to get that market back that they've that, that they ultimately have lost and which is a reason that you don't see an overwhelming number of african americans in the sport yep yep it's sad man it's sad one team that did survive and i i have to shout them out because they have the best nickname in all of baseball and that's actually saying something because there are some great ones, you know, like the Albuquerque Isotopes that, that they led the way for a very, very long time. But they have Who? now they've fallen to number two. The Albuquerque Isotopes. You never heard of them? Uh, I thought they were in Springfield. Okay, so the new number one, you ready for this? The Rocket City Trash Pandas. Yes, I love it. Google the hat. It's awesome. Props to them. The Rocket City Trash Pandas. I love it. Absolutely love it. The color scheme is great. Yeah, I'm going to end up owning one of those hats. That's just absolutely freaking fantastic. Uh, yeah, that, that, that looks almost like that... Uh... I know I always get this wrong. Is it a panda, a raccoon? It's a uh, raccoon. You, you've never, you've never called a, no, the raccoons are trash pandas. No, 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 no. The, that cartoon you watch from Japan. <laughs> that does not narrow it down for me at all, man. <laughs> uh, the one with the weird looking panda in it doesn't narrow it down. How many panda animes are you watching? Oh, Egretzko? I guess. I don't know. Oh, it's great. You know, because we have so much in common and then there's other stuff that's just like 
polar opposites. Fucking great. Yeah, so exactly how many panda-themed animes are you watching then? Dude, it's a panda, and you're talking about Japan. Like, literally every anime has, like, a panda character. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, they are obsessed with fucking pandas in Japan. Japanda? Japanda. There you go. There you go. Oh, Huckleberry, we are going to do it. You know, we, we we said that this is a short show, and... You know, we, we just got through the first topic in a half hour. Go us. And now we get to the big ones. Do a little mailbag from our friend, Mr. Joe Morin, over at Turnbuckle Talk, which you can find right here on the HTM Podcast Network. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh-oh. Mighty Joe Morin. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of did that. Yeah. Grant hey, Buffalo. You know me and me and Bowman were trying to get on this thing. We were going to start calling him Gorilla Joe. <laughs> And then you had to come in with this mighty thing. So he thinks that sounds a lot cooler than ours. I, I still think ours sounds better. We'll have to put it up a Twitter vote. I have a topic for you guys if you want to tackle it. Double standards, be it in everyday life, work, etc. Why they exist, why they're a problem. Bit of a broad topic here. Um, Huckleberry, he's right. This is a huge topic, it's, but it's so broad that, you know, where do you even begin? Um how did this start? Because, I mean, now it, now it's just become commonplace. I mean, we, we see the double standards by turning on the news every freaking day. I mean, my God, the, the mainstream media, if they love anything more than anything, it's division. Like, they, they say that they want equality, but they preach division as much as they possibly can. You're either left or you're right, or you're black or you're white, or you're gay or you're straight. And the more labels that we can put on you the more divisive we are. And, and that is just the way the mainstream media has become in 2020. But I, I don't even know when this started. You know, was this like going back to like the nineties? The was this kind of the grunge thing where you had like that huge counterculture movement? Like when did this start? When did you really start noticing this? Well, I do got a nickname for you here for uh, team liberal. They are now the, the label makers, the label makers. There you go. That's good. There we go. But again, you know, this is one of those things. I think that we're that maybe we're we're putting too much of an emphasis on it. We're we're putting it up on that pedestal just because of the times that we're living in, and and you know, everyone believes that it's never been this bad. We're so divided. We've never seen this much diversity happening before our eyes. And to me, this is this is day one stuff. It, it just you change the the label. We've been dealing with these sorts of issues since man stood up and started walking. You know, when I when I did see this, that Joe had asked us, you know, if we'd like to talk about this thing, and you know, immediately like, man, I just figured he's having a bad day at work. So something's got him down here. And this is one of those things to me too that immediately when you look at double standards and it it, it just has taken on that that meaning of it's such a negative. Why can't it be put into a positive? Well, I guess it could. I mean, number one, let's look at the actual definition. What is a double standard? A double standard is the application of different sets of principles to situations that are, in principle, the same. It is often used to describe treatment whereby one group is given more latitude than another. Now, okay, yeah, I, I guess you could 
potentially spin that into a positive. The problem is when that positive becomes so big that the positive is almost as corrupt as, you know, the system was to begin with. And you you can just look at social programs like affirmative action. There's a clear double standard there in favor of minorities in order to get more minorities into the workplace. In theory, that makes absolute sense. In application, it has been a miserable fucking failure that results in diversity quotas rather than hiring the best people available for the job. Absolutely. So, and that is a that is a situation where we have seen a a a backlash. Where a positive though, if you're looking at it from the viewpoint of of a minority, then it's a positive for them. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like in theory, you know, in theory, on paper, this looks you know, good. A couple of middle-aged, middle middle-class Caucasians, and it doesn't necessarily work in our favor. Yeah, but we're seeing. Now, if we're I go, seeing if I go to downtown, right. if I go to downtown Cincinnati, and I'm standing next to a group of young African Americans, and I throw a rock through a window, guess who the police are going to come up and start questioning and harassing? Valid. Valid. You know, when when you and Carly, you know, go out to to meet friends for a, a lovely evening on the town, which happens, you know, quite often every what seven, eight years. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, Carly's got to get up and, and put a little more effort into it. She's got to make sure that she's got something nice to wear, that her hair or makeup's done. <laughs> you and don't you know just, Carly very well. Well, I just those you have those those pressures there for females where Jargo, you just is your usual. Carly would put on jeans and a hoodie and maybe pull her hair back. Maybe. And that's the expectation. She's got to get her hair done there. You just roll out of bed as, as, as Jargo does every day and go on your way. Bald is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it, those are the double standards. I mean, they go both ways here. Yeah, because work, being bald is workers, fucking cold, man. Workers got to work. So you got to learn to work the system here. It just... It, the lack of awareness of the double standard, that's the thing that just absolutely kills me. When the person applying the double standard, when you call them on their bullshit, and they just don't even realize it. Like, it, it, it's so ingrained in our society at this point. You know? If you want true equality, all that shit goes away. Well, it, it you said it there. Equality is becoming a, a myth, Inside of this country, or at least how people are presenting it or how they want it delivered. When you say equality now in this country, 98% of the time, it is just a mask for priority. And that's where the problem lies. Yeah. Yeah. Diversity and equality does not equal diversity and equality. You know, it, it means you are screaming to be a priority. Yep. Very much, you know, kind of like there there are two kickers over the course of this weekend that are getting a lot of press. One of which I can tell you the name of. Her name's Sarah Fuller. Yeah, she actually scored this week, Huckleberry. Of course, Vanderbilt once again lost to Tennessee 42-17 to and are now 0-9 on the season. And ironically enough, I read three different articles about this. And guess what? None of them mention the score of the game or the fact that Vanderbilt is 0-9. 
That drives me insane. On those the, are those are of non-importance. On the other side, fucking Minnesota Vikings, man. Maybe they should draft Sarah Fuller because uh, their kicker yesterday left ten points on the board and they lost by nine. And now they're basically out of the playoff run. They're, they're hanging on. They are hanging on by a thread. You're right. It's one of those teams that really popped out to me. But you know, I guess in the life lessons, and we're talking about things today and, and how we're putting certain things for equality that are priorities on these pedestals. Yeah, I, I spent a good deal this weekend watching the the, the Maxathon on E, which they were running through hours and hours and I, I can't even tell you how the uh the time i had spent here watching saved by the bell and it, the life lessons that we had had back then and they hold true today and, and i want to bring up one of the episodes here where a, a new student came to bayside wanting to join the wrestling team and hell of a talent it's going to help them win city you know take down it, it, perfect timing arrives just before the the big city championship against valley but wouldn't you know that this competitor just happens to be a female. Coaches against it, principals against it, most of the student bodies against it. But you know, Jesse being the 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 opportunist, the uh, the voice of the righteous, the equalizer. You know, she rallies everybody together, and they get the girl on the team, and, and good old Bayside brings home the city championship. I mean, isn't that isn't that the feel good moment that we're looking for here, Jaga? I guess, man. I guess. I I really feel like the media is the biggest problem. On one hand, since this election, we have had two rules of thought when it comes from the media. Number oh, one, main, mainstream mainstream media, not us well, underground individuals. Yeah, no, there is that. The the, the media owned by the Chinese, to be clear. <laughs> Number one, the narrative was, we need unity. We got to pull the entire country together. Joe Biden is going to be the great uniter. And we said, go fuck yourself. That's that's basically what happened. Go fuck yourself. You can't sit around and call everybody, you know, uh, racist and xenophobic and homophobic and just drag us through the mud for four fucking years. And then as soon as you win, oh, well, now we need unity. How about fuck you? All right. Number one. So now they have a new narrative and the new narrative is we will have unity because we will eliminate half of you if we have to. Let me tell you something about the 69 million people that voted for Donald Trump. These people have revealed themselves for the racist that they are, for the tribalist that they are. You think that's every Trump voter? They voted for this consciously knowing what Donald Trump stood for for the last four years. They know him. Yeah, you are being targeted, but not because you're victims, because you're victimizing the rest of us. And I don't think that they should be forgotten. And I don't think that we should look the other way. I think we need to remember. People must remember and hold you to account. I do think Uh that people need to be held accountable. How much are we gonna just let pass by? You cannot come into this White House with the idea that these people aren't the enemy. They are. The hottest places in hell are reserved for those who at a time of moral crisis remain neutral. Shame on them. They are going to lose way more than this election. We want the prison so filled with Trumps 
and Trump flunkies and Trump apologists and Trump enablers that we have to convert Trump buildings into new goddamned Trump prisons. We want enough of them in there that they can hold reunions and birthday parties. Unity by subtraction, correct? <laughs> Unity by subtraction. That's that's now the new media narrative. How about that shit? Yeah, we. if you supported Donald Trump, you should be locked up. Yep, they're going to lock you up in the Q camp. Yep. The uh, the the liberal label makers and, and instead of the you know the shotgun the west coast offense they have got the unity by subtraction system that they're putting in. Unity by subtraction. I like it. Let's throw it over to a word from our friends at Hameen Media and then Huckleberry in true Hameen fashion. I've got a conspiracy theory for you. Ho, ho, happy Hameen holidays. As 2020 winds down with over 2.2 million downloads, the Hameen army marches into 2021 with sights set on 3 million downloads and beyond. We'd like to thank you, the listeners and sponsors, for following and supporting us on all of Hameen Media Group affiliate channels as we continue to provide the very best variety of entertainment anywhere. Pro wrestling, movie reviews, TV show reviews, news, sports, conspiracy, and satire. We have everything for your listening or viewing pleasure. Add Hami Media to all your favorite audio and video platforms. iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, Twitch, and YouTube are just some of the many ways you can get your fill of all of the HMG content. And speaking of getting your fill, if you're cooking this holiday season, there's only one olive oil to use in all your delicious delectable dishes, Zordos Artisan Greek Ultra Premium Olive Oil. This olive oil is not only the perfect ingredient for your festive feast, but Zordos Olive Oil makes the perfect gift for any foodie or fan of fantastic food. Head over to ZordosOliveOil.com and taste what the term ultra premium means. Now, after a good meal or to kickstart your morning, what's better than a cup of bro, bro? The Coffee Brosters Russo's brand coffee is better than your average cup of joe, bro. When checking out at thecoffeebrosters.com, use the promo code BRO5LB for a special price on a five pound bag of Russo's brand coffee. This deal is too good to pass up on, bro. Did somebody say deal? Well, Stevie Richards and ForceUSA.com have a deal for you. Are you looking to build a better you? How about the best custom home gym you can imagine? ForceUSA delivers sturdy, innovative and versatile strength training equipment for home gyms and training studios alike. Enter promo code Stevie5 for a special 0% financing offer at checkout. Also check out StevieRichardsFitness.com for a fantastic affordable resistance band training program and yoga program choose from the 12 and 16 week program as well as a dynamic yoga program that will get you ready to burn off those calories after those huge holiday meals if you're interested in a band new you for 2021 and years to come stevie kick start your health with stevie richards fitness.com prowrestlingtees.com celebrate all of the homie media personalities and independent pro wrestling stars by giving the gift of or grabbing up for yourself the coolest merch any wrestling fan desires again head over to prowrestlingtees.com and support indie wrestling today hey infidels 
Do you want to become a Hami Media Group operative? Then follow us at Hami Media Group on Twitter and request a link to our private Discord channel. You can also find us on Facebook at Hami Media Discussion Group and interact with all of the HMG personalities as well as joining in on the fun discussions, watch-along events, and games. You can also follow us on Instagram to like, comment, and participate on all of the HMG and Conspiracy Horseman propaganda. Once again, thank you to all of the subscribers, followers, sponsors, guests, producers, and host of Hami Media as we march to 3 million downloads. All of this is possible because of you. <laughs> Shout out to Big Ray Hernandez. Haven't talked to Big Ray in a little while, man. You talked to uh, Ray recently? Yeah, I've been, uh, been conversing with him a little bit here. Things are going well. He's, you know, he gets that that Stevie Richards fitness on. Uh, he's out there. He's pumping it, baby. Looking good. Looking great. When it comes to Big Ray Hernandez and his schedule versus me and my schedule, I'm not sure there are two people that are more polar opposites. Like, but on a positive note, I'm good enough friends with Big Ray at this point. I cannot talk to him for like four months, pick up the phone, give him a call, and we pick up right where we left off. Like, never missed a beat. Can talk to that guy forever. And I often do. It's like a three-hour conversation whenever I call Big Ray Hernandez. Fucking love that guy. And he always wants the video chat. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of creepy, too. He always wants a video chat. Or, like, you'll send him a text message, and he'll reply with a video of himself replying <laughs> to your text message. Like, he just loves looking at himself, man. I'll tell you who's good, who's good with that. Not in Good-looking the- man. In the video form, but he will do the the voice recorder. He's kind of gotten off of it here recently, but he used to be big on it. Was uh, McNailer Beast? Oh yeah. It, it was it was kind of when he was making the adjustments into like our little world here. Yeah. From you know from OVW, and he was just used to talking and working so fast and so many things going on. He just found it easier. Right. Well, on the flip side, it, yeah, that's great when you're doing it. <laughs> but I'm not always everywhere where I, people are like just listening to what the hell's going on, you know? Right. And then you've got like, you love to talk on the phone. Like you, you will call me. Hey, can I call you? And I, my initial response is, Oh yeah. Go ahead and call me. Cause I know once I get on the phone with Huckleberry, I'm going to be there for a fucking hour. You know, I am much more a texter. Like I, I never call anybody unless I'm recording it for the show. You know, that's just kind of how I work. Like, I, I hate I talking on might, the phone. I think that might just be with you because I usually don't do that. Oh. Or, you know, you know, you know what? I've usually if if I want to talk on the phone, uh, you know that I'm well into a happy hour. Yeah, there is that. There is that. There is a pattern there. Yeah. Cincinnati Rick coming out. Well, the, the problem is, like, I'm OK with going out. I could talk to anybody anywhere. But I usually don't go out to meet a lot of people. So at first when I go out. And I don't drink at home. So when I go out, I like just, I call it to socialize, but I usually just sit there and look at my phone and see what we've got going on or look, you know, what's going on with HMG, reading news and all stuff like that. I could jump into conversations, but then after you get them a couple of drinks, you want to start having those deeper conversations, things that are going on in your life. Well, the people that I'm regularly involved with, they live around the world. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know how that works. So if they're not answering in in Iowa, then I got to figure out what time it is in the UK to see if they'll answer there. Or if it's maybe Australia, weird, if it's a weird time, yeah. It's, what is it? Eighteen hours from whatever time I'm drinking? Will they answer in Australia? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, 
That's great. Oh, you know, another one of our friends who is an, another gentleman who kind of specializes in the world of conspiracies had a conversation with him over the course of this weekend. Mr. Billy Ray Valentine wanted to give him a shout out. And, you know, months ago, Huckleberry, I think m- possibly the last time I talked to Billy Ray Valentine um, was shortly after the pandemic started. And I made this kind of offhand comment to him uh, when the whole COVID thing was starting. And I said, this was made in a lab. And what happened was they were trying to develop a HIV vaccine. And then that's what got out and went terribly wrong. And thus we have COVID-19. And some of the supporting evidence. Oh, I get it now. Cohiv. <laughs> nice. So if you look back through the lineage of some of our, our, our main players here, all right. The, the two main ones that are going to jump off the page are going to be Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, Dr. Deborah Burks, who has kind of been on the scene ever since this whole pandemic thing started. Well, they kind of rose to prominence in the 1980s because they were on the original HIV task force. They have been trying to manufacture a vaccine and treatment plan for HIV for over 30 years now. I think we all I think we all remember and well aware of the Hib Force. Now, their boss is a gentleman by the name of Francis Collins. Francis Collins was a part of the Human Genome Project, which of course consisted of the mapping of everybody's DNA. And now, as we are here on Monday, December 14th, 2020, the vaccine is starting to ship. This vaccine is very, very different than every vaccine that there has ever been in the history of the world, because this is an mRNA vaccine. And I have been all over this story basically since I found out that Francis Collins was attached to this fucking project. What they are going to do is they are going to manipulate your DNA into fighting off the coronavirus, which means that not only will you be immune to COVID-19, I have to imagine that this would make you immune to the common cold as well, which is a coronavirus. In fact, here is a, a very nice explanation that was put together by our friends at USA Today. It's about a minute and a half, kind of goes through the entire process of how the mRNA vaccine works. mRNA technology has never been used before in an approved vaccine, but scientists are using it now to combat COVID-19. mRNA, or messenger ribonucleic acid, are snippets of genetic code that tell cells to build proteins. mRNA vaccines take advantage of that protein building process to trigger an immune response and build immunity to SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19. Instead of using a small dose of live or dead virus like some other vaccines, mRNA vaccines use a tiny piece of the virus's own genetic material. Here's how it works. This is the virus. These are called spiked proteins. Scientists have isolated the genetic code for those proteins, a set of instructions that are put into the vaccine so your body knows how to make them. Your immune system won't make an actual virus particle, but it will make copies of the angry red spike protein. In other words, no gray ball, but an angry red spike. Once vaccinated, your body starts making those spike proteins so your immune system will develop antibodies to fight the real thing 
SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19. The Pfizer and Moderna vaccines that are created for COVID-19 will be the first licensed mRNA vaccines ever. So yeah, we're talking basically gene therapy. That's where we're at. We are, we are ingesting proteins into your body that will manipulate your DNA. I, I got to tell you, man, I, I always suspected that that uh, that Franz Hiv Collins was a was a sleazy bastard. Well, it, the Human Genome Project and the whole like basically mapping DNA, and that's how a couple of weeks ago we got to you know babies on order. Um, this is some really, really fucking scary shit, man. And this is both the Moderna vaccine and the Pfizer vaccine that are shipping out today. There is another one that is on the way that comes from a company called AstraZeneca. And AstraZeneca is a more traditional vaccine, kind of like, you know, the MMR shot or, or any of the vaccinations that you have to get as a kid at this point, like polio. It's a, it's a more traditionally built vaccine. The problem is it's only 74% effective versus, you know, these manipulating your fucking DNA and the very, very core of who you are. Those are more like, you know, 94 to 95% effective. But Rick, now there has been some new shit that has come to light, as the dude would say, as Australia has also been manufacturing their own vaccines down there. And they're, what they're using is old, dead COVID cells, and they're building the vaccine, a traditional vaccine, very much like the AstraZeneca vaccine. And now the people inside of the trials are all testing positive for HIV and they're calling it a false positive Rick this is just further documentation and I've got a whole listing of fucking articles here where they're talking about this down in Australia this thing is a failed HIV vaccine that has went terribly fucking wrong that's what COVID-19 is yeah, absolutely. I'm just playing a little bit of, of weird science. Dr. Frankenstein uh, trying to manipulate our systems here and, uh, and unfortunately unleash this thing upon the world. That's what this fucking thing is. Now, let me ask you here is, you know, some spinoff stories reading through. I mean, you, you took up some some incredible information here. I'll, I'll link all of it in the show notes. I, I was going to say, I'll. I'll I'm going to put the show notes or the uh, the press on this thing. I'll, I'll put everything in there so individual can kind of go in. I mean, there's just so much to digest. If we would dive into each of these articles, we'd be sitting here for hours. Yeah. Now, inside of this, you know, this, this again comes down to, and I know we, this is another one of those great divides where it's seemingly if, if you know, if you're pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, you are – I mean, it's almost you're going to war over this thing. Well, and that's the thing. Like, there's so many people that are just like, oh, fuck this vaccine, man. And it's like, okay, I agree with you. But why are you saying fuck the vaccine? Because I have a goddamn good fucking reason. I don't want you changing my goddamn fucking DNA without me knowing what you're putting in me. Dr. Fauci, fuck you very much. And I think that's the issue. And the reason that we've been regularly talking about this, we've been trying to hit on it each and every week. And it's something of great importance to you, Jarger. You just spent a lot of time researching this thing. It's because you want to educate those that we are reaching. And that is the most important part here. And it's not, this just shouldn't be one of those issues that define if you are red or blue, 
you know, what side of the line you're on. And that's sadly, that is the feeling, the vibe that's being put off here. It's, you know, if you're anti-vaccine, then some reason this in this country, you know, it's because you're an over the top Trumpster and you yourself. I've seen conversations you've been in where you've been accused of that. Yeah. Where you're going, you're going so far to the right just because you don't want to do this vaccine. It's like, no, listen to his reasoning. He has educated himself. He, he is a a grown up. He is a self thinker who has put in the research to make his own educated decision. What is best for him as an individual? That's what we need across the board here. You know, and and it's it's on both sides here. I'm not trying to take a shot at anybody, but you know, just you know, on the left, it's because. Well, they're, you know, the right doesn't want to do this because we're bringing this up or, you know, they're the reason that it's being spread because they won't go along with, you know, with this, the liberal thought of isolation and they're fighting the mask and all this. It's coming from both sides. What we need is everybody to go out there, actually do the research. Don't listen to what's being presented to you through the, the general media, what's being presented to you through these these skewed manipulated numbers when we're talking about the covid outbreak break those down yourself do the research go to multiple outlets and kind of piece together what's important to you inside of these situations you're really concerned here about you know how this thing could possibly mutate just the very essence of the human being now i've spoken out and said you know what and I am someone that's ultra to the right, where you are in the middle there, I will take the vaccine. Simply because I'm not as concerned about those issues as you are. I'm I'm hoping that, you know, that they potentially get this thing right in here in the, in the immediate future, that this thing will be able to cut this thing off. And that mainly, to me, it's the, the risk is worth the potential reward for me, just what it means for my family. Uh, my stepmother with COPD. If she catches this thing at any point, she dies immediately. She couldn't even survive the symptoms. You know, last week I had a scare with it. I had to go get tested for this thing because I have to be sure that I have it out of my system to go around my grandmother who, and obviously, you know, she's in her 80s. She's lived her life. She's not afraid of, of dying or anything like that. We want to keep her around as long as we can, if, you know, especially after just losing her grandpa. Those are my reasonings behind this thing. It's the whole reason that I don't really get caught up in, you know, this back and forth that we're seeing. Well, I think I can change your mind, Huckleberry. I was going to say I, I was for this thing I, until I saw this here on the run. <laughs> so the Russians also developing their own vaccine. Yeah, and there, there's only one problem. God and good, good luck telling this one to the Russians. Like, this shit. You know, last week we were talking about the Americans and the whole don't tell me what to fucking do thing. The Russians telling them they can't drink? Good fucking luck with that one. In an interview, Prime Minister Tatiana Golikova um, said in an interview that Russians will have to observe extra precautions during the 42 days it takes for the Sputnik V coronavirus vaccine to become effective. Russians will have to refrain from visiting crowded places, wear face masks, use hand sanitizer, minimize contacts, oh yeah, and refrain from drinking alcohol or taking any immunosuppressant drugs. For 42 days. Huckleberry, can you go 42 days without drinking for the COVID vaccine that might last, you know, for, you know, five years? It might last for five weeks? We don't really know because we just rushed all the testing. 
well, well, Jesus, you did 40 days in the desert. I'm going to, I'm going to raise you two days. <laughs> that's where I would have to go live out in the middle of the desert. It, it just reminds me going back. I remember when I, when I first got diagnosed with my uh, psoriasis and the doctor's giving me my, my diet plan and all this. And yeah, I stuck to that over the years. And, you know, this, this will pretty much clear up Mr. Vickery. If just cut out all, all sorts, all that alcohol. Yeah. I, Pause for a moment there, and I gave it some thought. I said, "I said, yeah, yeah." Or you could go down the hallway, get a gun, come back here, and shoot me in my face. You know, it's that'll, so funny. Clear it up, though. It's so funny because I just basically like quit drinking. Like it, it wasn't like a planned thing. I just kind of quit drinking. You know, I guess I just kind of grew out of it. It's just crazy because I used to drink a lot. You you have other fulfilling things in life. I don't have anything. Let's uh, uh, hey, can you imagine coming here and telling people that? I mean, we are already. I mean, you're talking about the Russians. At least they got. I mean, that's a, no a vodka for 42 days. A, a little bit of control over their people over there, but and, I mean, here after you have decimated, I, I need to clarify you know, our ser- our service industry. I need to know, clarify bars and restaurants, and now you're going to come in here and say, you know, I mean, what's next? You know. No drinking and nothing out of the fryer, nothing greasy. <laughs> so, somebody is going to accuse me of being racist because I, I basically just said that all Russians enjoy drinking vodka. Ladies and gentlemen, there are some stereotypes that are true. All right. If you've ever spent any time with any Russians, which I have. Is Russia a race? Isn't that a nationality? Well, by that definition, you know, isn't, you know, African-American a nationality? That's yeah. Russian American, would that not be, you know, what we would call my friend Anastasia Ravrenko? That's that's what I've always you know that uh, to me that's always been a fine line. Well, you know, it's just more labels, you know, that the, the media can start using. And we already hate the Russians, so maybe we should start referring to everybody I mean, as Russian so, I mean, Americans. Why, why does it work for, you know, certain uh, let's say nationalities, peoples will say, why why does it work that way where that becomes a nationality and a race. I mean, American's not a race, is it? Double standards, man. Double standards. Damn, we're, we, everything's tying together. Today. Whoa! Let's throw it over to HTM Sports. Oh, Huckleberry, he's back. Kevin Durant is back. He played last night, and he shined in his performance, according to ESPN, shooting a whole whopping 5 of 12 from the field in 15 points in 24 minutes. Um, Rick, this one's scary to me because I love Kevin Durant. I think Kevin Durant is was one of the top two or three best basketball players in the world. I have absolutely no question about that. I absolutely freaking love the guy. Um, People don't return from this injury, man. Achilles injuries, people just do not return. He is not going to be the same Kevin Durant. I don't care what anybody tries to tell me. Like, if you think Kevin Durant is going to be the same Kevin Durant, you need to go watch that Kobe Bryant documentary, Muse, which is all about Kobe Bryant returning from his Achilles injury and the ever-loving hell that he put himself through to get back to being basically 70% of Kobe Bryant after that injury. Like, you just do not come back from that injury. And when I think of Kevin Durant versus Kobe Bryant, 
one of those guys has a bit more mental toughness than the other one. I think this is going to be Kevin Durant now. Well, you know, as you talk about here, I, I know you've, you've been accused a couple times already early into this week about just being the, that over negative Jargo. But I guess that's the Jargo that, that the audience loves, right? I guess I, so, I, man. I just like, I, I'm just trying to be fucking honest with people. That's, that's, that's where you shine. When it's, when it's the darkest out is when Jargo shines. I guess, man. But yeah, but isn't this, it, I know you, you were kind of, this isn't shy. Is this really shining? And now you have your spin here. Is this what the expectations are for Kevin Durant? I think that's what it is. You're kind of setting the table. And I, I kind of have to tell you, you know, marketing wise here, looking best for, you know, what's for your own business, looking for the investment you have with the NBA and that product and want it to shine itself on your networks. You set this new expectation for Kevin Durant and, Ultimately, you want to use those big buzzwords and try to create that excitement of, that you have something positive in that market because you sure as hell aren't going to get it from the New York Knicks. Or Kyrie Irving, man. Did you see Kyrie fucking snapped off at the New York media the other day? Like, what the fuck are you thinking, man? You're not in Cleveland anymore. Like, you you, you can't go. I, I, I have more important people to talk to. Like, no, you can't say that to the New York media. You know, this this past on this week's Monday locker room, we kicked things off. We had a tremendous conversation about personality and charisma in sports. You know how important they are inside of sports like boxing in in MMA. And we were relating that to professional wrestling. And it always goes back to the you know Amin who who wants to have that control over social media to kind of police that and, and handle how these. You know, these talents represent themselves. Maybe that could be uh, one of those great uh, VP of what the fuck for how I mean is inside the NBA with the Nets just to try to hold this thing together for them. Yeah, you're, they're going to have to keep him on a, a you know, tight lipped. They're going to have to monitor him the best they can. You don't want this thing. You you do want those personalities, but you want them to make sure that you're building up a, a positivity up around this around this program and what they could possibly do going forward as a franchise that doesn't start with Kyrie Irving <laughs> absolutely not it, which what you really what you really need to convince them of here is Kyrie go out there find yourself on the floor we get Durant his time in here but you kind of want to make Durant that face of that you know that that big smile because people gravitate towards him oh K, dude KD is great right I mean, this is a guy who broke down at his MVP speech to basically give the award to his mom. Like, Kevin Durant is one of the most likable people in the NBA, but one of the biggest rips on him is he's soft. You know, he, he doesn't have that mental toughness. And to come back from an injury like a torn Achilles, that's exactly what he needs. Yeah, they got to find that drive inside of him here. And it's going to be interesting to see, as you said, I mean, is this going to be the new norm? Is he going to get out there, put that extra work in? And it's, and I'm sure it's not for the, the lack of wanting yeah, but, but or trying, but it's going to be the actual drive. And the problem is he, now he's playing in Brooklyn, you know? And, and when you play in that market, that fucking media is savage, man. It's not like he's in OKC. He's not in, you know, cushioned, soft and fuzzy and warm fucking unicorn San Francisco. He's in fucking Brooklyn. They are going to eat him alive. It's not going to be good. Well, I will say it does work to the advantage a little bit. While it is a, a tough market, 
it is a demanding media. They do have a little bit of leeway because they're not up the street at the garden. Yeah, but it, it's still going to be one of those things. We didn't pay you a super max contract for 15 points on 5 of 12 shooting. It's the investment. That's that's what is going to... We're paying you how much money for 15 points? And we're paying Kyrie how much money? Well, and he's fucking crazy? Like, what are we doing? Well, I mean, it, it, again, though, if they can find a way to get this thing to gel together, to find some success, as long as... You're up there in that wing column. You know, those other stats kind of go to the wayside. Well, and that's going to be the thing, too. They're playing in the East, right? Like, even 15 points a game, Kevin Durant, in a batshit fucking crazy Kyrie Irving, is probably going to be good for, like, the three or four seed. Well, and then again, you know, it's about that seed, who you match up, how you make those runs through the playoffs, in reality, you know, the NBA is is so much college. When you look at from college, the professionals in comparisons, I know the styles, the athleticism, you know, the skills are so different. But the game itself, it's all about what you do in those postseasons. You know, it's, we regularly say about college basketball, nothing matters till March. Well, in, in the NBA, nothing matters till that three and a half month playoff season. Yeah. God. Playoffs really need revamped. As do the NFL playoffs. Huckleberry, we had a big shakeup this weekend. Yeah, the one seeds both changed this weekend. The Packers now the one seed in the NFC. The Chiefs now the one seed in the AFC. We talked about this last week. And both the Steelers and the Saints, they just went out and laid eggs this week. Like, does nobody want to win in the NFL this year? Like, like, every week, there's just a different team that's like, oh, yeah, they might be a Super Bowl contender. And then they go out and just get fucking spanked. I, I tell you what, you know, as I said, top of the show there, I, they, they got me hooked right now. As a fan, I'm, I'm really coming back to to the NFL. Man, I, I love me some red zone. Yeah. Yeah, you get you get the hot spots, you jump to the game yep. in an important moment there. You're all over the league, and that's where you need to be right now. There, you talked about a stack card from the curtain jerkers to the mid card to the main eventers. They got storylines updated. It's like Russo's booking this thing. There's something for everybody. You know, even the bottom dwellers, you got the NFC East inside of itself, inside of that narrative, it's exciting to watch each and every week. I mean, hell, you've got a team that was written off that they're their former stars, their greatest of all time, you know, one of them and Michael Irvin taking shots at the Cowboys, the lowest of low that they were flex for the Cleveland Browns. And then <laughs> Dallas rolls into Cincinnati. Dalton coming back to the jungle. Oddly enough, he picked up his 40th win at Paul Brown Stadium this weekend, wearing, wearing the opposing colors there. That's crazy. But, that, but, now, but now we're having conversations. You, you turn on anything on FS1, you turn on ESPN, and you got all the talking heads talking about, could the Cowboys come back and win the, win this thing and get their asses? Oh, the get the fuck out of here. One game out, buddy. Get the fuck. One oh. game out, and you've got some interesting matchups coming up here in these last four weeks. See, now, I, I will be honest. I, this is probably the least amount I've ever watched the NFL is this season. I just can't take it. I feel like I'm watching fucking football practice. Uh, the whole, like, no fans thing. I just, I, I, I can't fucking do it. I'll come back when the fans come back and, and all that. But, 
no, no, no hate towards the NFL. I just can't fucking watch it. It, it just does nothing for me. Hey, and that's why I'm glad I, I switched to that red zone because you're not locked in just trying to watch one entire game there. And it does right. get, it is taxing. Uh, but I think, in, again, you know, I haven't really been as, obviously I'm reading all the, the box scores. Right. I'm looking at the scores of the major headlines and happenings each and every week. But you're right, Jargo. It's been hard to sit down and, you know, like we used to and dedicate, you know, three to six hours on a Sunday to watch a couple of games, even those that we, those teams that we really support, that we've always enjoyed watching here. But I think now that we are on this home stretch, and this thing is so wide open, there's so many storylines, there's so many layers going on here. In the sports world, I mean, this is some incredible storytelling, and we got characters everywhere. I'm enthralled by this thing. I, I need to uh, inform our listeners of what that was. Um, that sound that you were hearing, ladies and gentlemen, was Rick pounding on the desk. Um, in, in case you didn't know, Rick got a new microphone. That was? And so, what? Do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when, when you have a microphone that sits on the desk, everything that you tap on the desk, like that really echoes through the microphone. So if you, you're curious what that pounding sound was, ladies and gentlemen, no, I'm not getting my roof done again. Rick was just really worked up while he was talking about Andy Dalton. Just hey, you know what? Hey, I, I welcomed him back. <laughs> Number 14. And it, hey, I, I said it last year when we were doing, you know, just exclusively hashtag HTM sports. I, I never given up on him. Didn't think he was going to go somewhere in. I thought he had potential. He, I, I still, I still think he would see a much different Patriots team had they gone with Andy Dalton. I think oh, they would have much more success. Yeah. Andy Dalton versus Cam Newton. Yeah, that looks like a very different team. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I think that would have fit their system. Yeah. But in the grand scheme, I don't think they wanted it to fit their system like that. I think they're happy right where they're sitting. But as a serviceable, serviceable backup that could come in in the NFL, you need somebody like that. That could come in and make sure you don't lose that beat, especially times like this as we're looking at how many teams are in the running for the seven playoff seats. Oh, come on. How many teams are in the running? Dude, this thing is over. This thing is over. One through seven in the NFC. Packers, Saints, Rams, the Washington professional football team, or whoever wins the NFC least. The Seahawks, Bucks, Cardinals, that's your top seven. Number eight is the Vikings, who need to draft Sarah Fuller out of Vanderbilt because they don't have a fucking kicker at six and seven. Like, I feel like the Vikings are out of it. The Bears are already, like, looking forward to firing their head coach and drafting a quarterback. Hell, I had a conversation with a Bears fan friend of mine the other day. They are already willing to trade their first-round pick and Khalil Mack to the San Diego Chargers, I mean Los Angeles Chargers, so that they can move up to draft a fucking quarterback. Like, that's what Bear fans' mentalities are, and they're only, like, two games out of the fucking playoffs. Hey, that's what I'm saying. And where did that Bears team show up from yesterday? I, they, they, they're on fire. That's what I'm saying. And Joker, you've been putting this over here week to week. We don't know what we're getting from these teams. Those are where these great storylines are coming from. If someone could just get this right a couple of weeks in a row, catch a couple of breaks, they could slide into the back end of this thing. Well, shit, the Packers right now are the worst number one seed in NFL fucking history, man. Like, come on. They got spanked by Tampa Bay down there. Like, there's no way anybody's looking at the Packers going, yeah, that's clearly the best team in the NFC right now. Okay, so there again, that's why we're laying 
you know, we got some depth. We got layers to these stories here. Everybody's trying to catch Green Bay because ain't nobody wanting to go to fucking Lambeau in fucking January. Fans or no fans, nobody wants to make that trip nope. in January. And that is why now, with only that one buy, looking at all the the landscape here with how the games are going to be presented with the COVID, never before has this one seed been so important. And this goes for the NFC and the AFC. And for the Saints to kind of just flip-flop this thing, devastating for them this week. And yet, like, people are like, oh, Taysom Hill played like shit. Really? Because I look at the box score, and he looked like he did pretty good to me. He had, like, 267 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Like, what What more are you expecting? Oh, you, you were expecting Drew Brees. Well, hint, New Orleans fans, you're talking about, like, a once-in-a-generation talent. Like, you can't just replace Drew Brees with a guy whose best weapon is his feet. If you wanted to replace Drew Brees, you have Jameis Winston. 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. Just sitting on the fucking bench. now, Now, come on. Come on. You're not fooling anybody. Give us the stat that you're really interested in, the real reason you want him out there. What's the other 30? Well, he had 30 interceptions, too. But he threw for 30 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. Jameis, 30 for 30. Winston, Jarker's favorite player in the league. I'm telling yes, you, he, man. He, he wants that NFC to run through his cheese heads. He's being such a homer. Don't let him fool you over here, people. I would rather play Taysom Hill than I would Jameis Winston. That is a fact. Hey, and then you've got sitting here. You know, we're, we're looking at the Packers and the Saints, what they've got going on. The Rams are the scariest team in the NFC. The Rams aren't they? right here knocking on the door. They're the scariest team. I mean, when you look at like an actual roster, they're the scariest team. Washington, you know, they absolutely they absolutely do not want to be going into Green Bay. Oh fuck no. Go from fucking Los Angeles to Green Bay in January. So even in this, you know, as you're positioning, even if the Rams can get themselves to that number two. Yeah. It, and if, if you're if you're the league and you're looking at a potential how you're setting this thing up, a path to the NFC championship game, you're telling me that you are you're not just watering at the mouth of the potential of maybe the Rams going back to New Orleans. Well, let's also t- pay a little bit of attention. You know, the Seahawks have the same record as the Rams, so the Rams could very easily fall all the way down to the five seed if they would stumble just a little bit. Seahawks could move up into that three seed. Nobody wants to go to fucking Seattle either. What is, as we're talking about, you know, just looking at the NFC West, three teams kind of fighting for position in here. We've, we've got some heavy-hitting games coming up. While the Cardinals were sitting at seven, they could easily find themselves out of this thing, dropping way down, finding themselves with you know a much higher draft pick than they expected, or they could really cause a shakeup. Could we end up with two teams in the NFC playoffs that are not five hundred? Who, who, whoever the seven is and whoever wins the East, I think we're at least in the NFC. I think that seven will at least be an eight and eight. So we'll be sitting at a 500. God, the, this expanding the playoffs was an awful idea. Awful I'm still idea. I'm holding out that they're in the, in the NFC East 
that whoever wins that thing, because hey, it's a it's a it's competitive. I'm not saying it's good football, but it is competitive, which kind of makes for an exciting story. <laughs> I'm not saying it's good, but it's competitive. You just described like every high school sport like I've ever been to. Yeah, well, I always hate when people say, oh, it was a great game. It was, you know, 21 to 20. No, it was terrible execution. No one did anything right. It was competitive, but it wasn't actually a well-executed game. You know, it wasn't a great game. It might have been a fun watch. It might have been competitive, but it wasn't good. So I feel like one through seven in the NFC, pretty well set. Let's take a look at the AFC, where I also feel like... I I will say, before we jump off the NFC, I'm on board. Let's go, Cowboys. Let's let's win the, oh, the NFC East. Christ. Get to host a playoff game and get Andy Dalton that that first playoff win of his career. Cowboys just repulse me. Just repulse me. The, the fact that there's even the potential they could make the playoffs is just nauseating to me. Let's look at the AFC. Chiefs, the number one seed, 12 and 1. Steelers fall to 11 and 2 this week. Big losers of the week, right there. And uh, it sounds like there's something kind of going on with Big Ben's knee. And uh, that that could be a real issue, especially heading into very, very cold weather in Pittsburgh. So that's something to absolutely keep an eye on. Bills at 10 and 3, Titans 9 and 4. Browns, the five seed at 9 and 3. This year's Green Bay Packers of last year. Yeah, they are like going to be the worst 10 win team in NFL history. The fucking Browns are awful. They are, there's no way this is a 9 and 3 football team. Like the, the scheduling gods looked upon the Cleveland Browns this year. And guess what? Next year, when you have to play a first or second place schedule, this could easily be three and nine. Absolutely. This is one of those turnarounds. You know, you, you regularly jump on this with the Bears. Yep. Every couple of years they come up, people think they got it together, and then they have to go and play one of those top schedules, a, a first or second place schedule. And just they, they fall, fall the right toilet. back down to mediocrity. But again, you have to beat who's in front of you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But there's there's just not that good of a football team. They're, they When you look at a 9-3 and three record, you would think, wow, maybe Cleveland. You know, maybe they got a shot here. I think no. what's, what's going to be very telling, and I guess to expose a little bit of our business, we're recording on a Monday. It's going to be interesting to see how they match up with the Ravens tonight. The Ravens went out there last, the first go around, and absolutely embarrassed them. Yeah. I'm I'm sort of expecting the same result. Yeah, I think this is where Baltimore really gets themselves straight in the head and tries to make their run down this home stretch as they're sitting at the eight seed on the outside. You got to talk about a franchise that's head is spinning. Absolutely did not see this. Yeah, the potential of the Ravens not even making the playoffs. Who had this that is, for 2020? This right here, and as as people are listening to this. What you witnessed on Monday night will be very telling and possibly defining the seasons for both the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. I will say this. I will say this. If the Ravens lose to the Cleveland Browns tonight, thus making them seven and six on the outside looking in on this top seven, if the Ravens do not make the playoffs, put all your money on the Ravens for next season. Because they are going to be playing like, you know, a third place schedule 
and they are just going to go fucking nuts. Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, inside of this, so you, you talk about the the AFC North. Again, I think that biggest loser this week is the Steelers. I know Steelers Nation, it, it hurts to hear that right now. There might be some injury issues. You've played, you're coming off that stretch where you did three games in 12 days. You had a little bit of an extended break, but you don't come out here and look all that impressive. Not only do you lose the number one seed again, which is the most important that it's ever been in the NFL history of this eating here, but you've lost yourself. You're now you're into two seed, only one game lead over the bills and you've lost that tiebreaker. Yeah. And big Ben's hurt. I mean, he's playing, but big Ben is clearly hurt. Yeah. Uh, so that, that 11 and zero run magnificent. But as we're looking at this final stretch, it's not setting up so well for the Steeler nation. No, no, not so much. Uh, the seven seed, the Miami Dolphins, also you know tied with the Ravens, are the Las Vegas Raiders at seven and six, one game out of the playoffs, and they fire their defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther. Well, you talk about a team week to week. You don't know. You, you know, don't Jack know what you're going to get. This is the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde team here out in Vegas. But firing your defensive coordinator in like week fourteen, when you're only one game out of the playoffs, like, is there is there more of a Raider thing to do? Well, there is that. There is that. What do you think, man? Would you do the deal if if you're you know San Diego? I mean Los Angeles and Chicago, Khalil Mack in thirteen to move up to three. Would you do that? Well, I think I'd want a little bit more tacked on to that. Because I, I. What I, happened you, to you, Khalil Mack? Chicago. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the other platform you may not be listening to, whether it be the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, Hameen Media online, hackerhameen.podbean.com, hameenmediagroup.podbean.com. Find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo, where I probably won't talk to you. But you can visit our other show, Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, which you can find on all podcast listening platforms. I'm kind of a media whore like that. And I, I spend way more time on the Destino social media than I do my own. Um, this week, I'm going to be joined by the aforementioned Mighty Joe Morin as uh, we sit down and we're, we're going to talk about the match of the year. El Desperado versus Hiromu Takahashi, best of Super Juniors final. Hiromu going over in that one, but everybody talking about El Desperado unmasking through the course of the match and the story going into that. Mad love to our friend Jamie Greer over at Last Word on Pro Wrestling for the piece that he wrote up on that. Just incredible storytelling. Huckleberry, have you had a chance to watch that match yet? Uh, I haven't caught the match yet. I went through some of the highlights there. Caught the coverage from Mr. Greer. Blow, simply blown away by the storytelling that, that we've got through that match. I'm greatly looking forward to the upcoming Destino. I, I kind of not to not to slight Joe there. I like to get a little, I like to hear you get some more input from some of these other individuals that had some coverage on this thing. It, it should be an exciting episode and an exciting listen of El Destino. El Destino. Like that. Uh, the New Japan podcast. And looking forward to that one, man. What about you? What you got going on? Well, you know, as always, you can keep up with uh, 
me, the art of the B to the V, Richard Bronson Vickery across all social media at the real RBV. As we wrap up this show, we turn the corner and we immediately start looking ahead. I, I gotta tell you, Jugger, I'm getting a little antsy, getting excited. It's our biggest show of the year since we've been rocking and rolling together. It's always one of our most anticipated, uh, our highest listens, highest involvement. It's Festivus season, baby. But, but, I guess in like true Festivus form, right? Okay. You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait one extra day. Because next week we will be recording on Tuesday, not Monday, because next Monday is Carly and I's anniversary. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that actually works because Festivus, the release, will be on Festivus. Why Festivus is on Wednesday. There you go. There you go. See? So it, it, all, it all works. It, it's all it's, it's so much deliciousness. And speaking of deliciousness, when I was recording the Monday locker room, we got on some food talk, ribs or something. So immediately after the record, I, I ran out. And I got myself a McRib. We were talking about Chicago style. Well, I'm going to follow in suit. I'm going to hit the road. I'm heading to Freddy's and get me a Chicago style dog, baby. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. RBB Fitness. We'll talk to you later on this week on Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. Right back here next week. It's going to be Festivus season. And, you know, it's one of my favorite quotes. I got a lot of problems with you people. It's another Festivus miracle. We'll talk to you next week. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Enable me. Don't give up.
She was at home with me last night. I'll be your bad guy.